How many people remember what it was like to go to school? I know you're hesitant because you're thinking of the bad times. I don't know if you're like me. If you're like me, you must have spent a lot of time in the principal's office, but hopefully you weren't like me. Um, but sometimes you didn't like going to school, but as soon as you heard there was a field trip, you wanted to be there that day, right? Well, my message today is, is called Field Trip. Most of you know that God has called me into two different careers, a pastor and a teacher. I've been teaching down in the Bay City area for 27 years. And this fall, I'm very excited to be teaching at Grayling Middle School, where God opened up that door at the same time he opened up this door as well. And so you're going to hear a few things from a teacher's perspective. Having been here at First Congregational for a month, it has been very fulfilling as God continues to move mightily in this area. Understand, though, that I didn't just go to college to become a teacher. I'm sure most of you have had both good and bad teachers. Yeah? And so I'd ask you to consider, what is it that makes a teacher successful? Certainly willing students makes, goes a long way. Right? If someone's willing to learn versus if they're not willing to learn? Patience, absolutely, absolutely. How about training and expertise? All right? If you know the content and you have the training in it, you can always see a, a, a beginning teacher when they come out and they want to be their friends, and they don't have the training to back up the classroom management. So the training actually takes care of a lot of classroom management if you have the expertise in, uh, at the content level of what you're teaching. Another great thing that helps a teacher is life experience, being able to re- relate from his or her life to students. Different methods, differentiated instruction helps a teacher. Compassion helps a teacher. Being moved because you want to help others. The ability to challenge students is what makes a successful teacher. It's not always the teacher that has all the parties and passes out the free popcorn. It's the teacher that challenges you and believes in you and pushes you beyond what you think you can do. If you look back at the teachers in your life that made a difference, I would bet you some of you would say, that teacher believed in me and pushed me beyond what I thought I could do. Well, one of the last things I think a good teacher has is a desire and a definite, definite plan to transfer what he or her knows, what he or she knows, to others. To transfer what they know in a way that they can best understand it and apply it to their lives. Why do I share all this? Because Jesus is many things to us, including our Lord and our Savior and our Healer and our King. But it is vitally important that we absolutely see Him as our teacher if we expect to grow. Many people think that they have regarded Jesus as their teacher, but just like the disciples, they failed to see every aspect of Him as their teacher. So I want to take a look at Jesus from the perspective as our teacher. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 1, says, And Jesus began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. That's quite a classroom right there. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. You see, in this discourse here in Mark, Jesus goes on to share several parables 
to teach about the principles of the kingdom of God. He begins with the parable of the sower, where he talks about a farmer who goes to scatter, goes to sow seed on different types of ground. And you're familiar with the story. Some of the ground is vulnerable to elements. Some is stony and it has no depth. Some of it's covered in thorns. And all these three types of ground, because of what's going on there, fail to produce a crop with this seed. But he goes on to say that when the seed is planted in good ground, it yields a crop that springs up and it increases and it produces some 30-fold and some 60-fold and some 100-fold. Mark 4.10 says, But when he was alone with those around him and with the twelve, asked Jesus about this parable. See, the disciples were willing students who knew Jesus was more than just a storyteller. They wanted to know what he meant by this parable. Because there were a lot of people that came out to see Jesus just because he was a good storyteller. They didn't see him as a teacher. They didn't give him the authority that a teacher needs, but the people that did, the disciples and those that wanted to know, said, we don't understand this. What do you mean by it? Jesus explained to them why he used parables. Mark 4, verse 11. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. There are many people that heard, heard the teachings of Jesus, but it didn't turn into faith for everyone because they were not willing to trust Him. They were not willing to believe Him. They were not willing to respect His authority. In this audience that Jesus teaches to, there are two sets of people. The ones who see Jesus as their teacher, and seek to understand the kingdom of God and the ones who are not open to God teaching them anything new. We see those same people in the world today, don't we? Therefore, to those who are on the outside, all they are willing to hear is a picturesque story. But there will be no penetrating truth for them. When we, on the other hand, when we choose to keep Jesus on the outside... We don't understand what He's doing in our lives. Misunderstanding brings confusion. Confusion brings fear. And fear takes us further away from God. Mark 4.13 And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? He began with a whole bunch of parables, but He began with the parable of the sower. And He said, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, this is not a story about a farmer. This is not a story about money. Some of the modern day churches are, are perverting the Gospel message. They are teaching that this is a story about money and if you sow your money, God will give you this money back. It's called the prosperity Gospel and it is unbiblical. If you read that Bible, it says it says the seed is the Word of God. That's what we are to sow. It is the seed that produces 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And so Jesus said, it's not a story about a farmer. It's not about money. It's about sowing my Word into, the, into a good ground, into a heart that's willing to receive it. Before Jesus goes any further, He turns to His willing students and checks for their comprehension. 
He wants to make sure they make the connection and can see beyond the word pictures. Jesus is still teaching us today, even as He did back then, through His living Word. He uses different methods. He uses parables to give us a picture of what His Word means. A good teacher teaches to all learning styles. How many know, just the way that God created you, that you learn differently than most people? Is there any of you? Sometimes you kind of feel lost or whatever. You know, if we kind of compare it, I don't get it, what you get, I know that I learn differently. But praise God, I have a teacher that teaches differently. God knows what we need. He knows what each of us need. And He will use, he will use the Word. He will speak to you. He will have someone else speak to you. Or He'll have a, a situation in your life speak to you. God uses different examples because there's different learning styles. One learning style is auditory learning. Auditory learning is learning best by hearing. This is the power of the Word of God. Romans 10.17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. See, in this passage, we see the word hearing twice. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That first time that hearing is used in the original Greek, it means when we hear the Word of God. The second time, it means when we hear ourselves stating the Word of God. See, when we talk about memorizing verse or, or standing on, on Scripture or, or quoting the Word of God, it's not just so that we can say it. It's because our spirit needs to be fed. Inside of us, we have a flesh and we have a spirit. And whatever you feed most will dominate your life. If you feed your flesh or your sinful nature, if you feed it worry and complaints and negativity, then that will rise up and overtake you. But if you feed it the Word of God, that's what it hungers for, then your spirit rises up and allows you to walk on water. Your spirit allows you to stand in the face of it. I, I can't get it. No, your spirit will give you the faith to walk. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That means I'm an auditory learner. I'm going to listen to the Word of God and also my spirit's going to listen to it. That's one type of learner. The second type of learning is visual learning or learning by seeing. Think of how God speaks to His people through visions, through dreams, through analogies, through word pictures and parables so that we can see what He's talking about. You know, if you look, remember in your life a good teacher that would show you movies and maps and pictures and, and, and analogies that you could understand because that's another type of learning is to learn by seeing. In fact, Jesus once said that He could only do what He sees His Father doing. If we remain in His Word and ask the Holy Spirit to open the Scriptures to us, we too will see what the Father intends us to do. Do you know that's part of the Holy Spirit's job? Is to open the Scriptures to us. Before you read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten your understanding. Because without the Holy Spirit, you won't understand the Word of God. I've shared this with a few people, but when I was in college, I went home for the summer and came back in the fall, and my roommate said, hey, guess what I did over the summer? I said, what did you do? He said, I read the whole Bible. I said, really? What, what did you get out of it? He said, it was a great book about war strategies. <laughs> and, you know, there's some pretty cool war strategies in the Old Testament, but you see, without the Holy Spirit, 
enlightening our understanding, we don't get out of it what God intends it. There were people that heard Jesus tell all these stories, but there was no hunger or willingness to learn. God allows us to see what He's talking about and what He means if we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our understanding. Well, the next type of learning is kinesthetic or experiential learning, which means learning by doing. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Which means that the Word of God is powerful. I know you can attest this, but you've been in a service before, and you feel like God's talking directly to you. Like those pictures in the museum, no matter where you go, it looks like they're looking at you, no matter where you go. Right? That's because the Word is alive. We're not just reading poetry or things that you should do. The Word is living and powerful. We learn by experiencing it. When we receive God's Word by faith, it's activated in our life. His Word is alive and it pierces us with truth that goes straight to our hearts. The Word of God is always doing a work inside a believer who seeks to know God intimately. And we grow in our faith when we are doers of the Word, not just hearers only. We must do more than just read the Word of God or do more than just listen to a sermon. We have to do something with it, to apply it to our lives and live our faith outside of these church walls. This is what Jesus is trying to teach His disciples, to treasure the Word of God because it is alive and it is powerful. Therefore, he compares the Word of God to seeds that need to be planted in good ground. So we have some work to do. We all need to start planting planting a little more. Without condemnation, we just need to plant because there's a whole lot more harvest that needs to happen with us and with others as well. But Jesus was not done with this one example. He continued to teach all who would listen with an open heart and an open mind. He gave two more parables about seed and teaching us how if we're faithful to plant the seed of Word in our hearts and in the hearts of others, that the seed will sprout and grow even if we don't know how. God is faithful to bring each seed to fruition if we sow it in faith. I don't know, but if you're like me, you probably have people in your life who you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe they're on a wayward path. Maybe they've fallen back from the God. You've been praying for them to come to know the Lord, to get a greater revelation of who He is. And the truth is that sometimes, if we're honest, we can grow weary praying if we don't see the results we are expecting. But the truth of this this parable of the seed is that if we're faithful to plant these seeds in prayer, then maybe we need to stop begging God to see the results of change and simply start praying for the seed that we have spoken over the person's life. If the Word of God truly is a seed, as God says, then we pray for someone, give them the Word, and then we pray for the seed. Because... When you plant a seed, it does a lot of growing and moving under the ground even before it breaks the surface. It writes itself. It sends down roots to start to get water. It starts to grow, and we don't see any of that happen. And then one day it breaks the surface and we can see it. 
And so many times we pray for someone and we don't see results and we think, well, they're not listening or they're not willing. How dare us feel that way? God does a lot of things under the surface that we can't see. Our job is to trust the seed. So many times we pray, we use the Word of God when we pray often. God, I thank you that uh, your Word says that all, all things are possible with you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you, that you would give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. So that when I go away, I pray for that seed that we, we planted. Now, God still wants to hear our words and what we desire to pray, but when we pray the Word of God, we trust that God's seed will do a work. And I will tell you this. No seed planted in faith is ever forgotten by God. If there's people in your life that you've prayed for and believed for, though some seeds may lay dormant for a long time, but God does not forget about any seed. It just not, might not be the right time yet. We had a person in our Bible study in the 60s came last week and said, I've just come to know the Lord and I'm excited. 60, in the 60s. And I think, I, I, sometimes I'm frustrated when I'm praying for certain people only, and, and, and they're a lot younger than that. I will tell you, it does, God knows the right time. Our job is to be faithful and to believe because when that right time comes, it is just excitement. God tells us to, to plant the seed. It's God's job to bring that seed to fruition and to believe in the power of that seed that we plant by faith because the seed is the Word of God. It's not our motivation. It's not our explanation. It's not our justification. It's the power of God. Mark 4 is an extensive look at one of Jesus' days teaching His disciples. He spent the whole day teaching to those who would listen and all, that, all the teaching He did was done in parables. So later when Jesus got alone with His disciples, He explained all things to them. And then the story changes, though it's still the same day. I'm going to pick up the story in Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. This is after all the parables. Verse 35 says, On that same day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Verse 36, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along, meaning Jesus, in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with him. Do you take Jesus along with you wherever you go? I mean, wherever you go? Do you allow Him to come just as He is? Or do you try to hide Him? Do you give Him a back seat in certain conversations or certain situations? Do you acknowledge Him in all you do? None of us are perfect. But Jesus asks us to take Him with us wherever we go. See, whether you acknowledge Him fully or not, He is always with you, even as He was here with His disciples in the boat. Mark 4.37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. You know, there are times in life when storms surround us and attack us. They get close to us. They begin to affect our own lives. What do you do when this happens? What is your first reaction when the storms overtake you and you first hit trials and tribulations and especially things that just seem unfair? What's your first reaction? Be honest. Do you immediately ask for help from God? Or do you complain? How long do you wait to ask for help? 
You see, it's so easy to judge the disciples for their lack of faith. But the truth is that we too often do the same things. Mark 4.38 But He was in the stern, speaking of Jesus, He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Jesus was right beside His disciples. But curiously, He was asleep. Why? Let me ask you, do you ever feel like God is sleeping or not paying attention to you and what's going on in your world? Do you ever feel like He's not helping you even though you have asked for help and you've believed with all your heart that you would help, but you've saw no results? There are times that God does a lot of things that we cannot see. It doesn't mean He's not moving. We just have to believe by faith that God is working on aspects of the situation that are not readily observable to us, like that seed that's under the ground. This is where the disciples are coming from. In the middle of the storm that's, being, that's buffeting the boat and causing it to fill with water, they feel like Jesus is not paying attention to them and their needs. We all do it. We all wonder where God is at times. It doesn't make us not Christian. It makes us normal. We all think, what is going on? I've been leaving on God. I'm standing on Scripture. Is He even paying attention to me? This is what the disciples are. But He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke Him and said to Him, Teacher, do you not care? that we are perishing. Let me tell you, there are at least three wrong assumptions in this question that they ask of Jesus. First wrong assumption. Teacher! They wrongfully assume that after a full day of learning from their teacher, they wrongfully assume that class is over. Wrong! Remember, this is the same day that He began to teach them. He taught them in groups using parables. He taught them individually, explaining all things to them in parables. And now, class is not over. Jesus just simply took them on a field trip. Right? It wasn't that Jesus walked out of the classroom and said, have a great week and I'll see you on Monday. It was the disciples that walked out of the teaching. They thought their time with Jesus was over. Jesus never stopped teaching. How many times do you find yourself going through these same emotions and questions, wrongfully assuming that your daily lesson is done, when the truth of the matter is that Jesus is going with you into the world to allow you to apply what you have learned from your time with Him? Remember, class is never over. Jesus is always teaching us through ups and downs, through joys and tragedies, through quiet times of meditations, and on daily field trips in life. The first assumption is that class is over. Class is never over. The second assumption, teacher, do you not care? The second assumption was that Jesus doesn't care. Wrong. Let's look at the facts. He spent the whole day with them. I don't know about you, but when I teach, sometimes I'm glad the bell rings so I can get out. You know what I mean? Some kids that don't want to be there, right? 
Jesus spent the entire day with them because there's other times with the class I, I, could, I could stay hours with them. When people who want to learn, that want to be there. Jesus spent the whole day with them. He has not left their side. Even now He is at peace in their presence, which means He likes them. He likes being in the presence so much that He is at peace. The reason He is sleeping is because He is allowing them to learn by experience. He is making the transfer of the learning. It's not always the teacher that always rescues them. He's saying, I taught you, now you stand up and you, you apply what I taught you. His plan is to teach using many examples. And then let them use their knowledge and faith and wisdom. That is exactly what every good teacher does, allows his students to apply their knowledge to real-life situations. Is it possible that in your times of confusion and doubt and anxiety or even anger, which are all natural emotions, is it possible that instead of you waiting on God to move in your situation, that He's waiting for you to use the knowledge and faith and wisdom that He has already given you? The truth is that much of what we ask for, much of the prayers that we ask for are things that God has already given us and things that He's already commanded us to do. Many times we pray that, someone, that God would send someone to go help someone over here and God said, I'm sending you. God has given us these things and He's asked us to walk in that authority. He's given us authority. As a believer in Christ, we have authority. Of course, it's hard to stand in faith in the middle of the storm. And we've been in many storms ourselves. But we have been commanded to trust in the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, to acknowledge God in all our ways and believe that He will indeed direct our paths. Guess what? This last year was a tumultuous storm in our lives. You know what we did? We didn't try to understand it, even though it was difficult. A lot of people judged us, but we trusted God and He directed our paths. You know where He directed them to? Right here at Roscommon. Praise God for that. And I know He's done it in your life, and it's difficult. We don't have to understand it. And many days we're going to mess up, or we're going to fail, and we're going to have anger, and we're going to be frustrated, but we just keep getting back up. And we surround ourselves with like-minded believers who help us back up and believe for us and don't condemn us and forgive us and, and encourage us to continue to walk. God will direct our paths. It's not that He doesn't care. He's just waiting for us to stand on His Word and apply it to our lives. We all go through times of doubt and fear and confusion. But the promise we have is that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Let us make it a point to encourage one another with this truth. Well, first they thought class was over. Wrong. It's never over. Second of all, they thought Jesus didn't care. Jesus cares deeply. He's just waiting for us to stand on that truth. The third assumption that they made when they said, we are perishing. They assumed that we're not going to make it. Wrong. They are still alive. Jesus is still at their side. He is still at peace. Jesus is still teaching, waiting for His students to respond and use the knowledge that He gave them. He's given them time and opportunity for the seed that He sowed to take root and to begin to bear fruit. 
Remember, it all connects, this is the same day, it all connects to that original parable, which was the parable of the sower. Jesus sowed seeds of godly truth into will, willing students. And now he was waiting for that word that he sowed to take root and to bear fruit. Let me ask you, what seeds of truth has Jesus sown into your hearts? Desiring that it would take root and bear fruit. Even though it's the same message, God works on all of us on an individual basis. All of us are challenged at different levels. All of us receive something different from God. And so God speaks to us because He knows what we need. I know what I need. I need a lot of things. I'm very inadequate. But I know that my teacher can give me all that I need. As you ask yourself, what seeds of truth has Jesus sown into your heart? Has He called you to be a bold witness for Him? Has He called you to stand in faith for someone who's facing an incredible trial or tribulation? Don't think you have nothing to offer. There are people here going through some very difficult, difficult times in life. Some very things that when you're under that, it's hard to stand on it for yourself. There are people that need that. If God's called you to pray, then please join us to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ, to believe for them who are going through a storm, to stand together. The Bible says that where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And so we lift up people in the body who need God's touch, who need that healing touch, who need a restoration of a relationship. What is God calling you to do? Has He been saying, now what's the time? Now is the time to deal with that wound from your childhood. Is God saying, trust me, I have that key to your bondage if you are willing I know you've tried it before and you prayed for it and you still haven't broke free for it, but maybe God's saying, are you willing to trust me now? Are you willing to trust me to, to what the Spirit's doing now to move and, and to believe for healing? Lay down your pride. Step out in faith and allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing and peace into your life. Is there a reason that God brought us here? You know, one of my jobs also was a biblical counselor. I've done a lot of counseling with marriages and, and families and individuals because that's a gift that God's given me in addition to the training that I've gone through. And so if, if, if there's brokenness, if there's something that you are desiring healing of, I invite you to come. And by our teacher's help through the Bible, we'll bring healing to you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God's speaking to you, but I want to let you know that God's doing something awesome here. And I just want to share it with as many people as we can. Is God calling you to boldly begin your journey of healing as the Lord leads you to see, through, see it through to completion? Understand that whatever season you're in, Jesus is still teaching you. Mark 4.39 says, then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. When Jesus saw that his disciples had not mastered the lesson, when they made all these wrongful assumptions, he stepped in. He didn't shame them. He stepped in and he handled the situation, which is what a good teacher does. That's why there's grace. 
God says, I've, I've empowered you and I've, I've given you by faith and a word. Go out and do your best. And you do your best. And when you fail, and we all do, God's grace comes alongside and I'll pick you up. And He gives you another chance tomorrow. Let's continue to trust in God as Jesus did. He came in and He solved the situation. But ultimately, He wants to transfer the power to us as He did to them. He continues to teach using different methods until we get it. There's that great word, until, which brings us to our memory verse for this week. I encourage you to study it, to learn it. Philippians 1.6 tells us, Be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you look at that, Whose job is it to complete us? It's God's job. Why do we think that we have to complete us? We get frustrated with ourselves and God says, you can be confident that He who began a good work, which is God, He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's job is to complete us. Our job is to just simply obey Him and trust Him through the process, especially when we don't understand. We're not always going to understand everything He does in our lives. But if we just obey Him one step at a time and believe Him one step at a time and get His Word in our hearts because forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven, if I start to believe that Word one step at a time, God's going to be further on in completing the process that He began in each one of us. There are different circumstances. There's different teachers. There's different ways to worship there's different music. There's different expressions of the body of Christ. And there's different versions of the Bible. It doesn't, doesn't, believe, doesn't mean that one version or one way is better than any other. They're all different methods that God is still using today to teach all His children what He began to teach long ago. What is the lesson of our field trip with Jesus? We begin by asking God to do things for us. And then we ask God to do things through us, when we come into agreement with what he's already said. Mark 4.40 says, But Jesus said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Listen, it's not that they were afraid of the storm. They were afraid to put their knowledge to work because they thought class was over. Class is never over. Jesus is always teaching us. But, there are times when we listen. There are times when we ask questions, and that's okay. There are times when we read and meditate. There are times when we practice what we've learned, and there are times when we stop and we evaluate our experiences. There are times when we ask for help from others to help us understand. There are times when we thank our teacher for everything that he has taught us. And times when we have enough faith to use what we've learned and we go to teach others as well. Mark 4.41 And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Who can this be? That's their question. A true teacher judges the learning of his students not by their answers and not by their tests, but by their questions. Are you still asking God it's the asking that motivates us to look for answers for ourselves, not because we have to, but because we want to. 
I don't know about you, but when I was younger and I went to church, it was because I had to. My mom would bring us up to church and make us sit in the front row. We couldn't even act out. We had to be there. We usually came a few minutes late, so everyone's eyes were on us. You'd go with it because you had to. And then something changed in my life when I realized that God was more than an obligation. He was an invitation. Right? I think we've all been there. And now when you want to go, it means you're a willing student, so now all the world opens up to you. We have been created with this insatiable need to make meanings of things, to find answers for questions that are important to us. You see, even in witnessing or sharing Jesus with others, we too often get it wrong. We try to tell someone the answers before they even ask the questions. When we do this, it doesn't matter if we are 100% correct in our explanation or our wisdom. If they are not looking for the answer because of a question they have not asked out loud or in their heart, they will not receive the answer. Our job is to first get them asking. Remember Jesus said this, he said, you are the, he said, you are the light of the world, and he also said you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It makes you thirsty. People should be able to look at your life and see what you're doing, and they want to have, live a life like you. What is you're doing? You've gone through this difficult time in your life, and you lost your job, and you seem to be above it all. What's going on? I got Jesus. What's, what, I don't know how you can handle You go through this difficult time. Your patience is... How do you do that? I got Jesus. It's not about us trying to think of what to say to people. If you just live your life with that power of God, people will start asking. And when they start asking, then every seed you plant will go down and take root and bear fruit. Our job is to get them asking so that when the answer comes, they have a place to put it. They connect it to the question they have already asked. Are you still asking, who can this be? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Savior that you cannot reach heaven on your own? All of us have sinned, every one of us. We cannot reach heaven on our own, but we can accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and trust Him that He paid for the sacrifice so that we can live eternally for Him. If we repent and believe Him at His word, that's how we know Jesus as our Savior. But there's more than that. Do you know Jesus as your Lord? What does that mean? It means He becomes Lord over every area of your life. Not just your church life. He becomes area over your finances. He becomes, he becomes Lord over your finances. He becomes Lord over your relationships. He becomes Lord over how you spend your time. He still wants you to enjoy His beautiful creations. Don't get me wrong. And He still wants you to enjoy people and be in people's lives. But is He Lord over other areas of life? Is there a, an area of your life that you feel God saying, would you give this to me? so I can restore it and I can use it for, for my glory? And do you know Jesus as your teacher? How are you going to learn differently this year, this day going forward? What level will you allow God to take you? In what area is God calling you to go deeper than ever before? Is He calling you to go deeper in your studying of His Word? We've got Bible studies for you. Or you can study at home. Or you can join another group somewhere. Is He calling you to go deeper in meditating on His Word or memorizing Scripture? Is He calling you to go deeper in journaling? Or how about in accountability? Is He saying, 
Find a trusted brother or sister in Christ that you can be accountable to because we all fail, we all mess up, and we need each other. I don't know what He's speaking to each one of you. Is He calling you to go deeper in intercession and prayer for others? How about in, in investing in the lives of others? How about in just being bold enough to tell others what's going on in your life and invite some people to church? I don't know what He's telling you. But I know as our teacher... He always is teaching. Class is never over. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are always moving in our lives. We thank You that You are always teaching us. We pray, God, that You would continue to move in our lives. We give You glory and thanks for what You're doing in this church and each one of us individually. And we pray, God, that we would continue to be willing students. That as we lift up uh, Your name and believe that Your name is the name above every name, that you will speak to us. God, I especially pray right now for the seeds that we have planted in people's lives. Those family members and friends that are wayward, that seem afar off, God, we thank you that you do not forget about any one of those seeds. Help us to trust and to believe that that seed is doing its work in your timing. We thank you for the harvest when it comes. We put our faith in you. We thank you for taking us a field trip each and every day. We worship you and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.